<laughs> not the milkmaid allegations of hitting you. Oh, oh, hey, you can't even talk, fam. You can't. Even I talk. can't talk. But I didn't say. I didn't say nothing about no one. Think I'm in big trouble. See, I didn't say nothing about no one in this episode. I behaved myself this time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I, the people are flogging me. <laughs> They're oh. booing me, but I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm pretty good, pretty good. It's been a long week. <laughs> it has been, it has been. Uh, but no, finally at the end, the rings of power uh, to finish. So usual questions. What is your immediate reaction to the latest episode? This was so, so much better yes. than whatever that was last F- week. Fam. I was so relieved. I'm relieved. No, I'm relieved that you agree because we would have had to fight, basically, if you didn't agree. No, literally, I was so scared watching it. I was like, oh, yeah. this isn't good. I'm actually <laughs> going to, I'm going to cry and I'm going to like sob myself to sleep. But thank God. <laughs> thank God. No. They saved it. They literally saved it. They literally saved it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's at a point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that if that was another bad episode, recording this would have felt like work. (laughs) You know, when football podcasts have to record an episode after getting smashed, that's what it would have felt like. So I'm very happy. Plus, I did so much admin today. I was like, if this episode is crap after the amount (laughs) of admin I had to do today, me and and the Rings of Power showrunners were going to go, there's going to be... You know, there's going to be fighting here. I, no, I can't do it again. What they put me through last week was torture. Yeah, I was really believed, uh, relieved, sorry. I think that was the best episode so far, I think I can say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, I, I think so too, thinking about it as well. Now, the only disadvantage of it being um, a really good episode is that it's going to be a bit difficult to follow our normal structure of the three main places because you know i don't you know we should have i should have looked at the credits just to see if you know we had a different director for this episode because the feel of this episode was so different um i really really enjoyed it but um we'll try to follow the um uh structure as best as possible um so the i mean you know we've got the uh opening sequence uh we didn't see the halffoots in last week's episode so i think it was only right that um this episode opened up with them seeing how they're getting along with uh the stranger helping them to migrate and you know we sort of see nori teaching the stranger how to speak because apparently the stranger cannot speak um how did you feel you know what was um what were your feelings towards the stranger in that moment you know you know what they, whoever the director was or the writer was for this episode should have been in for the episode two episodes ago because they did a good job of showing later on how powerful he is. 
and how he can't use his power, but then also show like he's been put into a world that he actually doesn't know. And it was actually kind of nice to see him sort of learn from Nori because you know there's obviously Nori's going to completely benefit from him obviously from having this extreme amount of power but there was something quite humane seeing him like he obviously knew some things in in common tongue in English but seeing him learn things and pick up things along the way I didn't mind that I that's the element of that I don't mind because I don't mind two characters learning different things from each other and understanding each other and it was quite nice because you actually got to see their relationship and the character building. And the, those are the little moments that I've always loved about Tolkien stuff because you get to see two characters from two completely different worlds sort of getting along. And you can see that he completely relies on her. He completely trusts her. It's as if she's the sole person that she trusts. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, I think, I think, that, was, I th- I think that was well done. Um, I, I guess, but I think the only thing about it was that it killed, for me anyway, any notion of this guy being... Um, OP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and definitely not, you know, one of the um, uh, one of the wizards or Sauron or someone like that. I mean, I think, I think them sitting there and, you know, basically teaching this guy how to speak English and, you know, him saying, oh, am I peril? Am I danger? That sort of stuff, which I thought was a good, um, it was a good foreshadowing from them. Um, but at the same time, I think kills any notion of this guy, you know, being um, whoever the theories are saying, you know, there's no chance this person's Gandalf now. I think that scene has completely killed that. Which I'm- Yeah, Gandalf, the Shakespearean. Despian, no. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go from what that was, like a CBB's Mr. Tumble sort of thing, yeah. to, <laughs> yeah, this shakes, to like this Shakespearean, like quote after quote after quote after quote. Like he's got some of the best quotes in the books. Exactly. Gandalf literally, Gandalf has the best quotes in the books, some of the most profound. The wizard is never late, nor is he early. Exactly. He arrives precisely when he means to. Like his his quote about, um, you know, judging people, whether we should wish death upon people and, you know. Oh my they, God, yeah. That's one of the best things I've ever oh, read. Like, love, I've read a I lot of books in my time. I love that line. So I'm like, yeah, this this, this Mr. Beebe's thing, you don't go into no. into that. No, exactly. no way. Unless you learned English, very, they didn't have Duolingo back then either. No. So <laughs> to be I fair, don't think he's learning English like that. <laughs> to be fair, that might have been what Gandalf ended up like if he kept on smoking um, the halfling's leaves and stuff. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> smoking the talking cannabis. Past, you know, if this was a future episode, then we'll be like, "Yo, is this what happened to Gandalf? Like when he fought the Belrog? You know, did he see some stuff that just just messed him up permanently?" When he was being tortured by Saruman, he's just, yeah, he's just out of it. He just he just completely snapped. Um, so no, I'm actually I'm quite glad um, for that scene, and yeah, then it then maintains the mystery of who this guy is. But they finally, finally gave us something: the reveal of the school shooters. You know, I don't know if you remember the school shooters from the trailer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seemed to be tracking the stranger. So now this looks like to me, he must be a weapon of some kind. Like they're using See, him like a Pokemon. Fan. 
I saw something. Where did I see this? Was it nerd? Was it okay? I'm not gonna say the other podcast. I, I saw it somewhere where they said that they think that that um Saruman's trying to get. I'm jumping ahead here, but hmm. the different moving parts in the same place. Yeah, he's trying to get everyone there. Yeah, which is what this episode sort of alluded to at the end. So yeah, I think he is a massive weapon, and I think that there is people who want to use him very bad. Yeah, bad things. Yeah, and I think he's aware of his power. But I don't think he's truly fully aware mm. of what other people want to use. Because he's trying to figure out, like, why am I here? Am I good? Am I evil? Yeah, yeah. He seemed confused about his purpose. He seems completely about confused. His purpose. About his purpose. So I think, yeah, you're right about those school little two shooter boys. Um, I think he's, it's, it's actually quite sad watching it because he doesn't know. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. He doesn't know that people are are wanting bad for him, and I want to sh- I want to hug him sometimes. I'm like, damn, you don't really know what's gonna go, what's yeah, gonna happen. You don't, have, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, you know that that's like an interesting um, dimension, and I think you made a really good point about Sauron trying to get all these moving pieces um, together because there's Legion of Orcs, there's Adar who. We'll get into his identity um, a bit later. Um, and then obviously you have these people. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the first thing, when I first saw those people in white, the first thing I thought, apart from school shooter, because that's actually the very first thing I thought, was that this school shooter better not be Sauron. But their appearance in the episode, um, you know, I was thinking like necromancer, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, Sauron's really into all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, sorcery. And um, we know that. We know um, anyone like deep into the Tolkien law knows that Sauron isn't uh, a single bad entity. His his bag is his ability to recruit. Like he's got people from everywhere doing things for him, and so that's what this ep- entire episode felt like. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. Exactly. You in every single place you were in, you felt one of his dodgy little like. It's like the Harry Potter Horcruxes, Horcruxes. Yeah, right? one of them is in every single place you were you were in, yeah. and it made me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, which one of y'all is with the bad yeah, guy? No, it, exactly, exactly. I mean, I felt that way about again. I don't want to jump forward. I mean, we'll get into him in a second, but you know, you know, it's Halbrand a Horcrux. You know what I mean? Like, what's <laughs> I've got things to say about him. <laughs> Right. He stinks. Right. Something. Yeah. Something's a bit mad. We'll, we'll get. We'll get. In, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. And the reason, you know, the reason why that's exciting is because this is, you know, this is episode five, and I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe uh, it's hindsight though, but I'm just wondering if this could have worked better in like episode three. You know, if you made the those initial episodes slightly longer so that we reached this point in the story a bit faster. Because they've really started to build up the jeopardy now, and I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I'm I'm just wondering if this presenting the danger that we see now, all these different characters, you know, somehow working towards this singular goal, um, and you know that our heroes have to fight against. I don't know if they should have presented the threat earlier, 
And I say that because I really feel that they lost a lot of fans after episode four because that was halfway and we weren't getting what we needed at that point. I think... You and I are just here so we don't get fined. Other fans? I don't know. (laughs) But go on. I I think... If they just built the story a little bit better in the last episode, I think them showing the threat now is fine. Because I think mm. their whole point, and I, I, when I saw this episode, I got what they were trying to do the first four episodes. Okay. They were trying to establish relationships with the fans and the characters first. Okay. So you've now attached it, for example, like Aaron Deer, that's my boy. Yeah. Completely, completely love him. Brown wins. Theo, Theon, um, Galadriel. She's always been my girl anyways, so that's beside the point. Elrond, um, Durin, like, all these characters, I think they were trying to get the fans to sort of, they were trying to build stuff up. You form a relationship with those characters, and now you're you're going, okay, here you go, this is the threat. Mm. And I think it works for 80% of it, because 80% of it was developed well. Mm-hmm. So Galadriel... I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, here we go, here we go. Like, it's like, you know, for Richard Romano, Romano here we go. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the contract's been signed. <laughs> um, and then with Aaron Deer and Brownwyn and Theod and the, the separation between the men and the elves, that was huge because we saw that being built up for about four episodes. Yeah, okay. Then you had um, like Elrond lying to Gil-Galad mm. and trying to keep his oath to Durin. Like some of those things were done well. I think, wait, Lot and where they won me back was Ilsador. If Ilsador's one, right, if that development was the same in this episode as last episode, yeah. it would have been perfect. I would not say the Scooby Doo because I don't mind the threat being shown now because it means you've got about three episodes, I think. Mm. Yeah, three episodes to read. Like, we know we're going to get a huge battle sequence scene at some point, yeah. and now I know who the threat is. So now I'm like, oh, the stakes are high now. So I think what episode four, where they flopped, was that the story development of probably one of the most important characters in the lore was done so shoddily. Mm, yeah. That it annoyed me when I watched this episode. I thought, why wasn't this last week? Yeah, yeah. Everything I saw today was exactly what we asked for last week. I all that's all I asked for, and I'm like, so damn, you can do it. That's what it, it actually annoyed me even more because I'm like, so you can do it exactly. Because in one episode, we saw a complete character development of this guy, and I now know, yeah, he's got that thing in him that's going to make him want to keep the ring. Exactly, exactly. That pursuit, that pursuit of legacy, um, which you know could easily lead to someone becoming power hungry and all that kind of stuff. You can really see it. And I just didn't see that in the last episode. But honestly, like whatever happened in the cutting room or the producer's office or whatever, they have like completely, you know, turned, they've completely turned this around. It's like, again, to use a football analogy, you know, we said it was half time, And I think it was fair to say Rings of Power was one nil down, but they've come out and they've equalized straight away. And now we're expecting a big win um, before... Before no, the they did. So, like, I was so surprised. Within the first ten minutes, they knocked out the park. Yeah, exactly. I was so, so, I was so surprised because I think this is what this is what is such a shame is that because last week was so bad, it gave you know people who wanted to hate it so much good energy. opportunity to 
and they had every right to because it was it was terrible. Yeah. So it's such a shame because I'm like, oh, this episode was so. This was all. This is Lord of the Rings. This is like Tolkien stuff. This it, is what really we wanted. Way, honestly. So I was like, damn! Like if you guys just nailed last week's episode, this could have been like now. If we, if if the next and like, it probably will. The next three episodes are probably gonna slap yeah. now. If the next three episodes slap. It will automatically always be capped at a seven and a half because episode four was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been a nine. It could have been a nine. It could have been an eight. A nine is quite high. It could have been an eight. A solid eight and a half, and I would have been cool. But now it's never going to be higher than a seven and a half because episode four was just so shoddy. So, yeah, you're right. I think it just made me look at episode four halfway through the show. And I'm looking at your cousin's House of, House of the Dragon. And I'm look at what they're doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. They ain't get as much money as you do, but they're they're working. What's what Kim said? They're they're working. <laughs> like yeah, no, the writers the writers are writing. Do you know what I mean? The writers are writing. The pen is is on fire. It's, it's hot. Oh my days! Trust me. Like that pen was penning. Yeah, bread. honestly. Oof. Anyway, not a not a. We we won't we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that too much. But um, you know, certain shows cannot compete. They cannot compete. They cannot compete. Um, but anyway, um, they've they've brought us right back in there, um, you know. Particularly with Isildur, I mean, like you know, if you if you listen back to our episode talking about episode four, we were literally irritated with Isildur. Like you know, I I think I said that I felt like the story had actually stopped every time I saw this guy on screen. Yeah. Um, and you know that's just not the case now. We see clearly someone that wants to do everything to impress his father his friends and, you know, all the other people um, around him. He wants to bring glory to Numenor. You know, we now see what his drive is. And that that's all we need from a character. Would you just give us a good reason to care about what he's doing? And then all that with the background knowing he is the guy that refuses to throw the ring into the fire. We need to see, we need to see that character development. And, you know, I think we've really seen it there. Um, and his absolute joy. Um, to go into war uh, was good. Him trying to sneak onto the boat, uh, but yeah, I guess we're, we're crossing over. Let's let's we'll cross over to Numenor. Um, and um, so one of the first things we see is uh, Farazon, you know, the beardy McBeard, and his son are plotting. They are plotting some serious stuff right now. That son is dodgy. Mm. Yeah, he stinks. The the original worm tongue. They're probably related. No, honestly, he stinks. And anyway, we see, you know, Beardy McBeard and his son plotting and, you know, like, giving their own reasons for, like, supporting this expedition to Middle-earth because they're like, you know, we get in there and we can get these lesser men to pay us tribute. We can get all their trade routes because they will owe us. You know, it's a bit like... um Ah, is it is it political to say it's a bit it's a bit like America? We'll go liberate somewhere and then we just own all their shit because that's that's basically that is basically what he was saying. Yeah, it's given Christopher Columbus. Yeah, exactly. And not <laughs> not only that, to make it even more American, he's talking about installing a king, which I'm sure he meant Halbrand at the time, to look over them for him and make sure they get all this tribute and all that kind of no, stuff. No, it's, it's giving modern day America, like if we go back, like their little puppet states. Yeah, yeah it was given that. That's it. Yeah, puppet states, you know, the normal leaders taken out, they install their own leader and uh, 
somehow siphon off the natural resources. <laughs> uh, exactly. But yeah, look, it, it's a classic idea as old as uh, Middle Earth, apparently. Because uh, I don't know if Tolkien, I mean, Tolkien wrote that before uh, the Cold War happened. So, I mean, then again, this is based on appendices. Maybe they were, they were, they were doing it anyways. Yeah, like when yeah, no, Britain right. was doing up tour, you know, world tour, yeah. colonizing here, there, everywhere. Yeah, not taking any of the spices when they were colonizing. That's besides the point. Um, you know, they were they were instituting their own little puppet governments and stuff so yeah whilst they were colonizing so yeah yeah tell us all the time yeah so yeah we know not to trust we know not to trust that guy um for sure they've got their own um ambitions um and then we've got um galadriel whose head has somehow gotten even stronger i don't know how that was possible but it's gotten even stronger and you know this is the first time i'm like do you know what i'm i'm, I'm kind of buying in i'm kind of buying into the character now no, I'm on that side. The entire episode, yeah. Any, anyone who was trying to chat to her on, on a level that was not respect, I'm like, you need to shut your mouth, man. Like, she's right. Yeah. Like, I don't care if she sounds like a raging lunatic right now, <laughs> but she will win. She'll win. She won't win the battle, but she'll win the war in the end. No, no, yeah? absolutely. Because she had how, like, when he said, oh, like, you manipulated me. Because you manipulated her. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? The game's the game, man. You can't be mad. You could sometimes you've got to accept it, man. So, like the pressure was getting worse <laughs> for him. And good. And good, that's what you deserve. Who told you to betray her? Mm. Like who told you to? Like, oh, I, I I don't know, but like, you know, but this is this is I'm I'm liking the character. I'm really like I'm really liking the character now. Um and you know, she's doing what she has to. I mean, I guess like Halbrand you know, helped us maybe as viewers to like maybe try and reel her or, or maybe try and like make her think about where her madness or obsession is like leading her um, to show a flaw in the character. But you know what? Like at the end of the day, she has to have her reason for acting the way she does. And I think that particular scene with Halbrum was just like a small nudge to the audience that remember her brother's dead and she's going, she was betrayed by her team in episode one and she's going to stop at nothing until she has her revenge um, against Sauron and all his servants. So it was a good reminder. And then obviously, and another good reminder was showing us, you know, how skillful of a warrior she was and that scene oh, with God. the swords. That, that was, that was great. That was great. That was, uh, you know, no, no one's going to have a problem with well choreographed fight scenes. I liked it. She was a bad bee, queen shit. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And she looked, I have to say, she looked very hot while she was doing it as well. Just put that out there. Not the milkmaid allegations of hitting you. Uh, oh, hey, you can't even talk, fam. You can't even I talk. can't talk, but I didn't say, I didn't say nothing about no one. Becoming big trouble. See, I didn't say nothing about no one in this episode. I behaved myself this time. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I, the I, people I, are flogging me. <laughs> They're oh, booing me, but I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, Halbrand is really interesting. Like, he seems like a reluctant, a reluctant king, a reluctant uh, leader. Oh, I'm gonna go on a tangent here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think let's let's get into it. Okay, all right. I'm gonna say something mad, and then you can say your madness because it might be the okay. same thing. It might not be. 
Oh, no. Actually, I'm thinking about it now. Maybe it's silly. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. It's Harbour and the Witch King. That's what I was going to Okay, that was my second point. Okay, that second was my second point. point. All right, what was the first We're on the right. He, okay. I'm sorry for the Thrones comparison, but it's the only person I could think of the top of my head, right? Mm-hmm. John was a reluctant leader. Yeah. Right? He never wanted to leave. No. But at his, tr- at his true heart, he was a genuinely good person, with a yeah. warm heart, and he he meant good in every decision he took. He did it with the best intentions to help everyone and never thought about himself. Yeah. Right? I don't mind those reluctant leaders. Like, I don't want to lead, because he didn't, he had all the qualities to lead, but he didn't feel himself, he didn't have confidence within himself. Mm. He can lead. That's not what Harbrand is. He ain't that. He's got such a, dark-sided, deceptive nature to him, right? There's something that up. I'm pe- There's something that's stinking up in the air that I'm, I'm sensing with him, right? My spirit's not taken to him, mm. right? Just something about him. Because it's not even... Like, I don't mind if someone's on the... He's morally grey. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of characters on Lord of the Rings and in Tolkien Law who are morally grey, and I don't mind. Mm. Um, like, I never hated Saruman I didn't like him didn't love him I never hated him I, there was always a respect there for him yeah um, but I think he's he could be the witch king or I think he's going to betray them oh yeah I think he's I going think to betray them big time yeah he's definitely going to betray them and I think they're going to make us think it'll be this season and I don't think it'll be this season no I think you almost will this season, but then you'll be like, oh, no, he's not going to. And everyone's going to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we were wrong. Maybe we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to slowly, like, build it up. But I think he's going to massively change. The way I've been thinking for ages, because everyone, you know, some people are saying he could be sour. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's too obvious. I think it could be the Witch King. I can't lie. I, I was starting to think it. Some people have been saying it for a few weeks now and never took, never took them onto it. Yeah. But this episode, I'm like, Maybe he is. Like, and you know, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't become the Witch King, they're still, yeah, the, the fact, like, they they will not, the show will not let us forget his people are the ones that served Morgoth. Now, if you just think of it in, like, um, I, I don't know, like, so, the, you know, like, there's stuff that philosophers say sometimes, that sometimes, like, evil is a point of view. And that sort of thing. Mm. And these people that are there, they are just thinking, like, you wouldn't blame someone for thinking that all I know since the day I was born is that I was oppressed by the elves for something I didn't do. Morgoth did, you know, let's say great and terrible things. That's probably how Tolkien would describe it. But that word great in there, some something that was awe-inspiring. We already have the townspeople saying that why fight this guy? You know, why let's bow the knee to Sauron or Adar and let's, you know, so that we can survive. Even Brownwin, and, you know, we're jumping ahead a bit, but even Brownwin was saying that, you know what, maybe these, this is who we are. Theo having the ability with that broken sword, you know, maybe they're telling us that, you know, these are, at the end of the day, servants of Morgoth. And Sauron isn't looking to destroy them. He's asking them to pledge fealty. You know, most of most of uh, Sauron's enemies, he just, his objective is to destroy them, to cover the world in darkness. These ones are saying, you know, 
you know, bow to me. He's not going out there and wiping them out, which he could easily do. So uh, again, you know, we might be, we might be guessing here, but I think that it's a really educated guess that, you know, I think a lot of the people we're seeing are primed to turn and it wouldn't be random. It would be heritage, basically. Literally, yeah, it's football heritage. No, because literally with, um, because you put up a good point of brown win, because <laughs> that's when my heart broke. Because mm. so I was like, you of all people, but I'm like, damn, like, there's, you know, I think, so, I think there's more, I have more respect for someone who tries their hardest to be good. Yeah. But if you haven't got the resources or anything possible to do it, then sometimes that like, Bram was like, I can't do nothing. Yeah, what do you want, what do you want me like, to I do? Like, I haven't got the men. Like, she even asked, Iron did, Iron did, like, what do you want me to do? You name it, I'll do it. Like, mm. what is it? Like, what do you want me to do here? And he, and Aaron don't get to name anything. He really couldn't say, like, like when she was asking for help, like, how do you expect us to combat this? Yeah. This is bigger than all of us. Exactly. So, yeah, so I think this show did a really good job this episode that everyone's morally grey. Yeah. The only innately good person on this show is Nori. And I think that's just an innocence thing. It's just pure childhood innocence. Yeah. But everyone, maybe uh, maybe Elrond, maybe actually, to be fair. Uh, uh, he got caught lying. He got caught lying. He got caught lying, but... He was doing it for honour. He was like, he was... He was doing it for honour, yeah. Go for his Ned Stark character, the Honourable Ned, the Honourable Elrond. All I was thinking at that, at that moment. The honest, oh, when he said, I'm going to keep my oath, I'm like, you, you, you keep it. You keep it. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good man. They, you know, the streets are going to remember you, man. Was, the streets are going to remember you. He was, he, was con- he was conflicted. And you know what? It's, um, it's interesting because um, the show is now starting to show people, like, again, more battle lines being drawn. And, like, you know, even the morally grey thing, I think Gilgalad potentially falls into that because he's not doing anything wrong by wanting to defend his people. Yeah. You know, just like Boromir once said, I ask only for the strength to defend my people. But yeah. going about it the completely wrong in way. what us, the viewers, might say is the wrong way. But if you're facing an an existential threat, then, like, again, just like what Brownman asked, what do you want me to do? We are going to die. What do you want me to do? And uh, we let, let's get into um, Elrond and uh, Durin, who've um, returned and... I have to be honest, I'm really starting to like their chemistry more and more. I'm enjoying Elrond and Jury. He said, give, give me the meat. Give it yeah. to me raw. Uh, do you know, I almost screenshot that. You know, I'm like off Twitter, like temporarily. I was going to like come back and just drop that <laughs> screenshot. Yeah, I was like, what is going on? I was like, what is going on? I was like, you guys should jump on this show. It's getting wild, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, because their chemistry, it was giving Legolas and Gimli. Yeah, it was exactly. It reminded me so much. Like I think they're what giving I us about memes as well. You know, giving us memes gave us gave us content for a good week for us. But what I loved about Elrond this week was this is a man. You see, when men listen and take accountability <laughs> after that one conversation he had with, with Prince Durin. Yeah. And Presidian said, like, I know you want the thing I've got in the cave, but like, 
we, we can't like we can't be doing that like we, we can't we can't yeah. right and I want if you're gonna come with me I want this to be a purely friendship thing like you're you're here because you actually care about me and you care about us etc etc yeah and I want you to if you're gonna do this you're for me right and Elrod actually took everything Dorian said that episode and he rode with it even when Gil Gallen was giving him very good point like he was giving him tea like look at yeah. the tree the tree's dying and he's like I've got to keep my oath and then I think watching him, it could be annoying for some people, but no, I actually appreciate the character development because two episodes ago, he probably would have not done that. He probably would have said, yeah. okay, they're, they're doing this, 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 and this, and this over there. Let's go and get it. Whereas now, I think he's formed a close bond with him, obviously the journey to going to see, to going back home and stuff. He's formed such an attachment and a close friendship with Durin that he doesn't want to break that oath. And he treasures that friendship. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about Durin because he's developed as well as a character because the only thing he wanted to hear is to say that I'm the only person who can save the elves. Yeah. And a few episodes ago, he would have not said that. So I thought this was a perfect show of development because those two characters have changed so much. They've both helped each other change. They still remain to their core themselves. Yeah. But they've changed so leaps and bounds to what they were yeah. when they first interacted. And it was so nice. And I didn't feel sorry when Gil Gallen was telling us. I thought, damn, they're really dying out like this. Yeah, yeah. I thought, so what What was interesting for me, now I don't know if this is part of the law, I have never, ever heard that Mithril was something that could prevent darkness from spreading. I was thinking that, oh, is this the catalyst? Is this the reason? I mean, because we know that the elvish light fades anyway because Sauron doesn't die. His darkness is still everywhere. So the elves always were going to leave Middle-earth anyway. But, I mean, is I, I don't know, like, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to even, like, talk about this, but is it was that the original... Um, uh, uh, use of mithril i just thought it's like impenetrable armor i didn't know there was this secondary use that it would stop um darkness from spreading i don't know if that's like an original idea from the showrunners because i've never heard that yeah because uh, I, I don't have a problem yeah because i literally i literally i was trying to remember if i could remember this because i was watching it and then i was trying to like um what do you call it? I'm trying to remember if I record this, but I feel like they retconned it. Ah, okay. I feel like they retconned it um, a little bit because I don't remember. Yeah, and like I mean, I've I mean I've not even heard like a slither of that ever, and it's not a problem because I think it's um. So if we like consider like what we know from the Peter Jackson. Uh, movies and shout out Christopher Lee for his performance of Saruman, just the best thing ever. But when he's sitting in that smoky room and saying the dwarves delved too greedily and too deep, you know what they awoke in the darkness of Khazar Doom, Shadow and Flame. And we know that Balrogs are going to make an appearance in this. And the fact that Gilgalad said that if we don't get this Mithril, um, we're gone by spring. He didn't say 3,000 years later when the War of the Ring happens. He, he said, said by spring. spring. Which means, 
presumably Dur- Prince Durin is going to find a way to convince his father. That's going to be a whole thing. Blah, blah, blah. We get through that. We know that they're going to dig for more Mithril. But that's how they unleash Bal- Balrogs on Khazad-dûm. And I think it's the way, a way of showrunners maybe speeding up that particular event. Again, I, I, you know, you know, gone to my head. I can't tell you exactly how Khazad-dûm fell, but we do know that it was to do with the Balrogs. And I think it's more palatable as a TV show to be like, well, they actually dug for more Mithril, not because like they're greedy bastards. They were just trying to save the elves and trying to get. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they want because the retconning of this was very interesting. Because I remember listening, I was watching it and I was like, like for those who have not watching it, I've, I paused. Um, but I was I I was watching. It, I was like, wait. I don't recall this happening in the law. Then I was probably watching. I'm like, no, that's not how Mithril works. But I think they just want a better way to, because ex- it's not that big of a deal in the law. Mithril generally, obviously, Baggins is sure, and you know all that sort of stuff in the mm. in the original trilogy. But it's not like this huge thing. You know what I mean? So I think they were trying to sort of expand upon something. Yeah. from the original law and give it somewhat of a backstory here that can also try and retcon other bits, like what you were just talking about, about Kazoo Doom and stuff. Yeah. So I think that's basically what they were trying to do. Because I was really sitting there and I'm like, wait, am I going through? I was like, I don't remember this. Yeah. Then I, then I was gaslighting myself, saying, <laughs> no. Then I was like, let me look back on my, like, saved, because obviously, like, I've got second age stuff saved on my phone. Yeah. And listen, I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not there. So I knew I was mm. right. I probably thought I was gaslighting myself, thinking I was going crazy. But yeah, I think you're completely right. I think they're trying to make mm. it palatable, trying to speed things up because that whole thing would be an entire series within itself, to be honest. To be exactly, quite honest, exactly. I don't think we want to see dwarfs slowly. You know, we we need we want to see some action. We want to see uh, a threat. You know, at the end of the day, shows like this, this is what it's about. We're not, you know, don't get me wrong. We want to, you know, we want that resolution. We want Middle Earth to be happy and green and have all these nice things. But, um, you know, we need to see how they deal with the villains. And we need to see those villains. We need threat. We need jeopardy. Because that is what makes um, a good TV show at the end of the day. So if, um, if our theory proves correct, which I think, I mean, it's not, you know, it is a theory because we don't know for sure, but that makes perfect sense. And even if we get it exactly right and have hence spoiled it for ourselves, I don't mind. The only thing I'm now concerned about is how they deliver. You know, these Balrogs need to be badass. Like, how do people that are not Gandalf defend themselves against the Balrog, for example? Yeah, I need to be scared. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to see, like, how the hell... Does any of this happen? You know, uh, they're going to change the way uh, King Durin dies, for example. You know, is it the Balrog? Like, we're going to see, we're going to see some stuff for sure because the fact that they put a timeline on it, they said next spring, no three thousand year thing. So we're going to see something there. We're going to see something, yeah. So yeah, again, uh, really exciting. This this is just what I mean about um, this episode being so good because you know demonstrating that threat while still you know like i'll just 
go back over very quickly. There were some wing, whimsical talking moments um, in this episode as well. How Durin stole that table was the best thing ever. Making up a story about a lot, honestly. Like, I see Gimli, I see Gimli smiling from heaven. Well, I mean, future or whatever, because he's not born yet. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, that, that was, that was great. I really loved that. And that makes me more attached to the character, you know? You know, make sure you tell, uh, Disa it was from me. Like, oh, that, I, I love it. It was, it was, um, it was really good. It was really good. So yeah, really good job with um, um, with Elrond and uh, Durin, definitely. Because again, I think that's something that if they didn't handle it right, it could have gone wrong because it reminds us of Gimli and Legolas without them being Legolas and Gimli. Do you know what I mean? And, I think, and they weren't trying to be like them either. Yeah, they weren't. Which was like... Elrond was nowhere near like Legolas. Like, he wasn't given that energy at no, all. Like he genuinely liked Durin. Yeah, like it was, exactly. it was of a genuinely like I like you. Yeah. Sorry, I think someone just cheered because of England. Um, oh, <laughs> that's fine. I'm sure they can leave that in. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but um, literally, like I just lost my train of thought now. Oh no, yeah, but I think you could probably tell that they completely like like each other. And it really reminded me of Gimli and Legolas without them trying. Because I think sometimes with these shows, when you're doing a show after such a big show, it's or after a big movie, it's very easy to fall into the trap of making the characters similar to the ones that happened previously. Yeah. Whereas this is a good... It's, I want future directors, whoever are trying to do shows and movies based on popular IP, this is basically how you do it with these two yeah. characters. You remind me of something I've watched or read before, but you're not those characters. He's exactly. they're nothing like Gimli and Legolas at all. They're two completely separate identities. But it's a cool little busting jerks. I was laughing. I was having a good time. I forgot the threat was even there. Yeah, exactly. Until Gilgal had had the talk, I thought, oh, "Damn, yeah, yeah, yeah." It's peak, man. So yeah, look. um, yeah, really, really well done. I think they um, deserve to be commended for that. And so it always seems we finish here, but we travel again to the Southlands. And just to, I mean, just to quickly finish off Numenor. So we now know that they're setting sail. Halbrand is on his way to the Southlands. So we're going to see what happens there. But let's go straight to the Southlands and talk about Brexit Wahlberg. Hey, yo. Brexit Bend the knee, lick that boot, wall bag. <laughs> hey, yo. Do you know who right? Oh, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he was giving Mr. Burns. Oh, mate. I actually oh, needed him. I, I needed stand up. Stand up. Yeah. Stand, I actually needed him to stand up. I mean, deadly serious. <laughs> you couldn't even fake it for five minutes. For five oh. minutes, you couldn't fake it and oh, pretend. Mate. <laughs> he was straight on to it like let's all go and get Theo I'm like stop calling my son yeah it was like Theo let's go I'm like I'm not your dad I'm like what <laughs> but leave me I was like leave my son alone let him stay with his mom. like what's wrong with you oh, that was that you know what it, it was giving Trump rally it was giving like Boris Johnson uh, campaign it, it was it was giving it was too much yeah it was too I was, I was looking at him and I thought for, so you can't even pretend to be good. 
Do you know one thing about this show that they're doing, I think, quite well is um, the races in this universe, they really, really don't like each other. Oh, they hate each other. Like, all they, like, you know, Numenor, all you have to say is uh, the elf, you know, the, um, our, our queen region is taking orders from an elf and everyone's up in arms. Um, the same thing, um, you know, you've got the men in the Southlands, the same thing. They don't want to listen to Arendir because he's an elf. Ob- there's obvious distrust between the side characters, between the dwarves and the, and, and the elves there as well. So there's a lot of that going on, and I think I think I think they do I think they do it quite well. I mean, it's a it's a healthy conflict. I don't think it's necessarily toxic, and they're not like boring things. No, from- they they're really not. They're doing it very well because I can sense why they distrust them because I yeah. think I think with Wardrick, it's a sense of basically you've got a guilt complex. You're feeling guilty. You know, Aaron dear, and everyone can can see through you. Mm. And you feel guilty about that. You know that you want to be on the winning side of you. You think the winning side is with Sauron, but you were wrong. Mm. Um, and well, was he wrong? Um, and then I think, yeah, they do a good job because I think with the elves, they do a good job of showing why it's possible to hate the elves. Yeah. Because they show that they're very pompous and they don't listen and they're a bit they up in their own them. heads. They think they're better than everyone. But then you get elves like Elrond and Gil-galad and you're like, they're not all that bad. Even Gladual, to be honest. Yeah. They're not all that bad. Like, they're not coming from... And I think they do a good job of showing the flaws and um, good sides to all the characters. And you can understand why the elves will distrust the men and why the men distrust the elves and why guys in Numenor have the distrust of elves and why the elves also have a distrust of the guys like you can you can also actually sort of see the pros and cons of everyone mm-hmm. and it's like what you said it's a healthy distrust it's not a toxic one yeah. and it you can and some a distrust like that and what made it so it was rooted in reality like why are you all of a sudden going to listen why is everyone going to listen to Aaron there like let's be for real let's be for real like some people are going to be like I'm going to take the easy way out which is just to go back with Sauron yeah. and take the offer because it's the easiest option. It saves you the fight. You don't have to get involved. And I think the you choice that live. Brown that's that's what they're offering. Like you get to live. You get to live. Brownwin's decision, and Theo's etc. is the, the the more difficult decision. Yeah. And not everyone is going to do it. And I think they did a really really good job of striking the balance of you seeing exactly why everyone distrusts each other. And why it, it how it leads to people's decision making, but at the same time, I think they did a good job of I think them showing all the characters contemplating why did I make this decision? Mm. Like, was this actually the right decision? Should I just gone to live? Like, why am I putting all this effort in <laughs> for something that like I don't have the men, I don't have anything to combat myself against this entity, and now you want me to fight? Exactly. And do what for the novelty of being right? Yeah, I'm on the right side, but you're yeah, dead. like I mean, these people, like you know, even if you even if you talk about that novelty, these are just people in some town. It's not like some song is going to be sung about them or they're, you know, exactly. if they if they say okay, we'll resist Sauron. It's like how they're all standing there in their rags. They don't have weapons. Like Arondir is literally the only warrior there. Like you know, like what do you you know like. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Like you know, if I'm in my hometown, I have no military training. We have no military presence of any kind, and an army marches in. 
am I brave for running up to that army saying, you know, we don't accept this and then I die? Like, what's the point? No, you're like, not. Yeah. You're, you're stupid, like, you know, like, so, but I do like that they're building up that conflict. I really do. And I, I think they're handling this quite well. Now, one part of the Southlands that stood out to me was Adar's reaction to being called Sauron. Now, I don't oh. know if it's the writers teasing us there as well, because uh, Brexit Wahlberg Wal- was like, wait, uh, like he's like, I'm bowing the knee to you, all that kind of stuff. And then he was like, I pledge allegiance to Sauron. And I'm like, oh my God, it's him, they've confirmed. And then he, and then Adar gets angry. And then he's like, wait, aren't you Sauron? I'm asking the same thing. So like, what did what did you think about that? Because I, I really that was very very interesting. Yeah, that was. I was watching that and I thought, well, aren't you? And then he when the way he reacted. Okay, I was trying so hard. I was like, I said, don't psychoanalyze this. Don't psychoanalyze this. Just watch this head empty, no thoughts. Mm. But then I kept psychoanalyzing him because I kept thinking. It's one of two things. It's either you want the power Sauron has and someone calling you that bothers you to the nth degree or you're being put in a position where you have to be subservient to Sauron and you don't want to be, but you have to be because it's the status quo. That's all that was giving me because this didn't look like a guy who wanted to do what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He's never looked like he's wanted to do what he's doing. It seems like he's just following orders and like you know all the other orcs they delight in doing this. Oh yeah, that was the irredeemable bastards. That's it's irredeemable. Even Saruman in the in the later trilogy, in the uh, the actual original OG trilogy, like he delights in doing these things. Of course, he has little moments, but he delights in doing these things. He 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 believes in Sauron, whereas Adar, you don't feel like. I know where he stands. Yeah, he's he strikes me. He's as, very ambiguous. Yeah, he strikes me as someone that I mean, he's obviously evil. I mean, look at what he makes him do to uh, pledge his allegiance. Yeah, uh, making him strike down that kid. But um, he really took offense to being called Sauron. So, like, maybe he has his own ideas, and we see what the conflict is. I mean, it's it's a it's a bit like how the Sith Lords um, behave. Yes. Where, like, they're subservient to someone, but they are always angry about it, and they will kill their master as soon as they become powerful. Do you know what this reminds me of? Right. Do you remember the Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Yeah. And the way that Reva was pissed. Yeah. Like, she was pissed, and then obviously she killed him. Well, she didn't kill yeah. him, he came back. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's sort of so similar to maybe the relationship that Palpatine has with Vader, yeah. Where he, when Vader's basically, yeah, Arda did actually. There we go. Arda reminded reminded me so much of Vader, like hmm. Empire Strikes Back in those sort of comics era. Vader, yeah. because Vader at that point, even when he was destroying everything and he was on his own, looking like a burnt Dorito in that oven that he called a suit. <laughs> Um, that had a cooler system in it but like he was doing those things because he had to do those things yeah he wasn't doing those things because it delighted him to do it he was just powerful enough to do it and it was the status yeah. quo that's what Arda reminded me a lot of it was giving yeah. Vader well post-prime Vader which is still OP 
um, yeah. in Empire Strikes Back when he's trying to get Luke to join the dark side. It, it reminded me so much of that because like he, it was the the actual ritual reaction, like the complete rejection to the notion of the idea of being Sauron. Yeah, that made that, me that think. Was, honestly, oh, that was really something. And yeah, like you're in a pickle here. Like you actually, you're in this position. You've it's as if you know when you've made your bed and you lied in it now and you can't yeah. do anything now. That's that's it. Yeah. You've made your decision, and I think that's what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see when his identity gets expanded upon and we get to hear his actual point of view because it just seems yeah. like he's reading off a script. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like he, yeah, he was more cruel because I think he was trying mm. to prove a point because he didn't need to do what he did there. I think he was trying no. to be more cruel to prove a point and be like, I ain't him, but I can be just as bad yeah, and, as and him. I was going to say, like, even if you follow the logical, like the logical uh pathway which someone like him might go through this guy is very powerful we know he's an elf from his ears he has somehow been subjected to something that has permanently injured him and scarred his face and you can imagine being a ser- servant of sauron and the fact that the orcs call him father is that he may have actually been the one that created the orcs not sauron himself and when you fo- so when you follow that sort of thing um, when it comes to power struggles, the person that creates the army that has the loyalty of the army is always in a position to overthrow the king. Do you know what I mean? Um, you think, you know, it, it's who the army is loyal to. They're not necessarily loyal to their king. They're loyal to their, um, direct commander. Yeah. And that might be the position that, um, Adar is Adar's in. Adar's going to be in. Yeah. And, you know, given the fact that he has those grievous, grievous injuries, it, it stands to reason that maybe he was tortured somehow into creating this process that made the orcs. And I think because he has command of, because those orcs are Sauron's legions, you know, they're, those are the generic NPC villains, uh, in, in a Sauron's world. And I think the fact that he commands them or certainly has that loyalty, which the show has taken pains to display to us. Might mean that you know he you know he wants to be wants to be a little bit naughty, so really really interesting. So just to kind of summarize everything, we have this was an episode for Sauron's servants. We have the people in white robes. I think it's fair to say now the stranger is some kind of weapon. We have Halbrand. We don't know what his objective is, but we know he's heading back to Middle Earth with Galadriel and the rest of them. And we have Adar in the Southlands as well. Really, really good setup. What is your rating for that episode? Eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. Eight and a half. It was very, very good. We just thank God that the Ilsador storyline. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Like I was, actually, speaking of Ilsador, actually, him saving that guy off the boat and keeping Pim about yeah. the reason why the girls in the boat go. Um, and actually, like, I think what I got from this episode, I learned more about everyone. I'm ex- I'm so excited for where things are going to go now. Like, everyone's now going to Middle Earth. Like, we're all going to one destination. We're going to see different characters now interacting, characters we've seen separated for ages and now going to be joining up, joining up soon at some point. So that's going to be yeah. really exciting. So, and I think... 
they I don't know who the director of this episode is you were right I wish I watched the credits but they did a really good job because every single storyline had the same level of importance as the other not one was given more weight than the other everyone was on the same level and I rooted for everyone in in their own little ways so yeah I'll give it an eight and a half actually let me give it a nine I enjoyed it I'm gonna rewatch that one yeah, no, literally, that's the first episode that is like, yeah, we might even like go back. I mean, the fact we didn't even really touch on the facts. That, I mean, we we had a theory about uh, Balrogs coming into play, but they actually teased what they look like in this show. So all of this is really exciting. This is, you know, this is what we watch uh, Lord of the Rings for. So, you know, at least our faith has been rewarded. Um, so I'm still a little bit bitter that it has taken this long. For it to get here, so I'm gonna be a hater and rate it an eight point two. But I really did love the episode. Okay, but yeah, eight point two for me, nine from Priscilla. So thanks for watching or listening, rather, unless you did watch us on YouTube and saw our wonderful faces. Thank you for that. So uh, don't forget, um, you can follow us, and I need to get this right this time. Popcorn f- uh, four underscore. Wait, I've messed it up again. Popcorn for dinner underscore pod on all platforms. Priscilla, stop laughing at me. I will get it right. Anyway, they're going to put in all the outro tune here, so it's going to sound really cool. And we are out. Thanks for listening.